sometime in my early 20s, I lived in Ocean City, Maryland. And during that summer, I was employed by a carnival there. I ran the bumper cars, I ran the tilt-a-whirl, I ran the avalanche. But when I got off work, I wasn't done working because I knew how to do a few things sideshow related. I learned when I was 16 years old how to do something called the human blockhead. It's basically where you pound a nail into your face with a hammer. And I, I learned it in the back of a moving vehicle, which is not generally the recommended way to learn sideshow stunts. But I, I use this information to go out at night after I got off of work and busk up and down the boardwalk. At the time, I didn't even know it was busking. I thought I invented something that people would just give me money if I showed them how to bang a nail into my face. And, and that's what I did to, to make a living supplementing my, my carnival gig. That was a great summer. Curioso. A curioso is someone who inquires into esoteric matters, a collector of knowledge. Curioso I'm Christopher Scarborough. And I'm Joe Taylor. And welcome to the Curioso Podcast. And today our topic is sideshows. It's a very uh, a topic that's very near and dear to my heart, considering that I am a sideshow performer. Uh, I love to talk about this. Uh, I love to eat this, breathe this, and sleep this. And um, with it, for it, and never against it. That's true. That's true. <laughs> it makes a good tattoo. Yes, it does. <laughs> So I, I guess the first thing that I wanted to talk about with sideshows are, are the three types of shows that there actually are. Okay. So those uh, it just would be the singolo. We'll start off with that. The singolo was is generally just a is a single attraction, just one single show with either a performer or possibly. I mean, you could have anything from the smallest pony in the world or to, a very small person to Hitler's car yeah yeah, yeah anything which, I mean uh, Bonnie and Clyde's car was in in one of those mm -hmm. single O's it's just it's one specific thing that's it that's it so I mean you, you don't get you don't get a whole lot of bang for your buck with, with the single O right. but that's okay because there are other types of shows as well with sideshows that the next one I would say would probably be the museum show. The museum show was basically like, like, like Joe was saying, like the, the, the Bonnie and Clyde's car. You, you would have wax figures would be considered like a, a museum kind of show. Anything where you would take a large group of, of things and, and show them off in a, uh, together would be a, a museum show. Uh, Ripley's Auditorium. Either in a, in a room, uh, a tent, um, mm -hmm. a, you know, some place that was not completely visible to the entire people walking around the, the circus and or the grounds. Because you had to pay uh, a dime to get know, into it. Yeah, a dime store museum. Yeah, that was uh, that was 
Uh, P.T. Barnum was was famous for his his dime museum in New York. It burnt down, I think, twice, mm-hmm. and uh, it was uh, before there was TV, internet, and, and all these entertainment options. Mm-hmm. This was one of the only types. This and theater were, were one of the only types of. Did you just say theater? <laughs> That's <how>. Let's just. <laughs> That's fine. Let's say onion. <laughs> Shut up, Joe. So. Yes. Uh, so one of the things that they also called uh, the museum show, they would call it things like um, the the greatest feet freaks past and present. And the reason why they would do that is because they didn't have any live acts inside. So it would it was mostly just greatest freaks of the past. Right, so it would be right. you would you would also have like uh, your 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 dead baby shows, which are you yeah. know a, a lot of people you know don't think that's very pc but back in the day they would have uh two-headed babies they would also have um uh taxidermied two-headed animals what is that well there's live birth taxidermy two-headed animals and then there is the taxidermy what is it called um rogue taxidermy rogue taxidermy who are they taking just a uh, Fiji mermaid, yeah, for example. Exactly, yeah. Another famous uh, P.T. Barnum uh, mm-hmm. uh, invention there. But they would take, uh, yeah, they they would they would actually take they would make what they're called as gaffs, and they would they would uh, take two different things, and they would sew them together, fill them with some stuffing, mm-hmm. and put them out there as an oddity, such as the Fiji mermaid. Um, you know, of course, you know, the shrunken heads, you know, shrunken heads were such a big deal at some at one point that they people started manufacturing fake shrunken heads. Yeah. yeah. And and that's practice still goes on yeah. to today. Really, but even but, even the tribes that they got the original shrunken heads from, they would manufacture. Well, they were still shrunken heads. But they were going out and killing people <laughs> to manufacture to make them. Money, yeah, supply. That's supply and demand rather, right there. <laughs> rather than rather than just using, you know, their tried and true techniques when they were trying to oust, you know, the the neighbor tribe, you know, with the one shrunken head a year. Now they're talking, you know, fifty, sixty a year. Well, that yeah, because they could, they they found that they could make money for uh, yep. from from that. Mm-hmm. So I guess the, 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 the really honestly, like you could spend a lot of time at museum shows, but they're so varied. In fact, all, you know, all of Sideshow is so varied. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, there's a lot of branches uh, stemming off from uh, circus and sideshows. I mean, yeah, honestly, I don't even think we've really gave a definition of Sideshow and what a Sideshow is. Okay, okay. From what I found, it's a pretty basic term. Um, it means the outside show. It was outside of a circus, a fair, um, and it started in the late 18th centuries here in America, but it evolved from as early as the 16th century in Europe. So you'd have fairs, carnivals for kings and stuff, and then... You know, you'd have well, you had like the fool, the the jester, the right. court jester. Right, exactly. I mean, this is the he was trained in juggling. He he learned all those kind of things. Right, and it, but he wasn't the main event. No, he was he was the the thing you saw besides or outside of you know of the main event. So in America, it you know it became sideshow. Outside show. Well, that's during during like uh, there was a lot of touring sideshows like during the, the Dust Bowl and all, all that. Yes. And I, they just they toured uh, they toured America and that's where it really took 
took uh, you know took America by storm because this was the only kind of entertainment when the carnival came to town. You know, you 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 put down your your you know your 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 dolly, which was the only you know made of corn mm-hmm. husks, and then went to the carnival. It was the only yeah. time of year. It was, it was one week out of the year. It was there. And a lot of the the non-sanctioned sideshow tents and vendors were local people just trying to sell, you know, their their whiskey or you know their crops or trinkets or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just because they knew that people would show up at these carnivals and these fairs, and it was a perfect little space that they could sell something. It's very much kind of like how the state fair is today, the state of your county fair. Right. It, it's very much what it was like when the carnival came to town. Right. And, right. and that's really, I think, where they got that idea from. Right. And, you know, of course, it evolved where, you know, people would actually have to start paying dues to be on the grounds of the fair. Um, but a lot of it was, you know, they just kind of set up shop. Yeah. And um, so you'd have, you know, everything from food vendors to whiskey to, um, you know, the people playing the games of chance, you know, trying trying to make a buck off of somebody somehow. Yeah, the game joints and everything. So right. it would all be, you would have basically a midway, and that was the center of either went down the carnival or the or or the the circus, mm-hmm. and at the very end you'd have either the big top or you'd have rides, uh, you know that kind of thing. Right. With the invention of rides and electricity and, and, mm-hmm. and all that came along, but uh, off to the side you would have uh, the sideshow, and that brings us pretty much to what they call the ten and one. Mm-hmm. And the ten and one was 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 really, uh, I personally think, was the granddaddy of all the sideshows. Right. So. So what is what is it? Ten and one. It means ten acts under one tent. Okay. So you would have, and you know, even is, though is it just like a grind show? It like would it be. Just... It would be a grind show. I mean, most of the time it would be a grind show where it would continuously, people would continuously perform over and over again. So no matter what time you entered the tent, mm-hmm. you could stay for the entire show. And in fact, you know, you could probably stay for more than one if you were if you were crafty enough. Right, right. But um, so you had, you know, typically 10 acts. That doesn't necessarily mean 10 performers. <laughs> right. As as we've seen personally. Yeah, that's true. Oh, God, where was that? Um Coney Island Sideshow. Sideshow by the Seashore. Yes. Um, yeah. There was maybe what, four or five? And I think I think they actually had yeah, but they, they had everybody ten had, acts. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody doubled up. Yeah, they doubled you know? up. So so the the sword swallower would also be the snake charmer, or the fire eater, and so you had several people doing you know uh, doing the different acts. But I mean, there were so many different acts. You you would even have sometimes. Uh, not just sideshow perform, but you would have mag- uh, magicians would mm-hmm. typically would a lot of the time be the 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 very first act. Right, but I mean, all and that's the thing that I've come up with is that most all sideshow performers, even you know, going down the list of the, the the three main ones, you know, the the born freaks, the made freaks, and the working acts. They're all multi-talented people. Yeah, they yeah. didn't just have. Well, they learned from shit. each other. They learned from each other. And right. there's, I mean, there's so much to talk about here. I mean, I, it's I almost know. overwhelming because, <laughs> because you know. Do you want to go into? Well, you have the ballet. You have the ballet. The 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 the, the outside talker. Don't mm. call him a barker. They don't like that. <laughs> Trust me. So you have the outside talker or the or the outside lecturer who would who would 
bring people in, they would turn the tip. And the tip is basically like the crowd of people. They would they would draw the tip. They would draw a crowd of people mm-hmm. inside of the time uh, to, to collect the people that were have already paid and have come in. You right. would typically have like a magic act because the magic act he could take he could make his show as long or short as he needed to be mm-hmm. so that that was why typically he would be there first right. uh inside performing so you would have the 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 gentleman outside ballying and he would maybe pull out a few performers and they would do a few little things or they'd have the the tattooed or the illustrated man outside with a uh with a a hood or over his head so you couldn't see him but you could only see his body or you could only see his legs ah, okay. so it was like something to, to draw people in yeah. and they would give you a tease of what you were going to see inside so then he would turn the tip and drop the price in order to get you to come in people still use this to this mm-hmm. day this yeah, is a, a tried and true a hook, hook yeah. because this is still what happens on late night TV with Pitchman. <laughs> this is exactly, and this this is even where Pitchman came from yeah, for, yeah. with the same technique. So you would come inside, and then you would start to see the acts mm. inside the ten and one. There would be ten acts for for the price of one admission, and that's why it was called the ten and one. Gotcha, gotcha. So I, I mean, I have a few, just a very few uh, things that I want to talk about when it comes to the 10 and one, because this is, this is the granddaddy. I mean, the right. museum shows were great. The singalos are great, but, right. but really that's where it is to me is the 10 and one with all the different acts that there are. And, and you really had three types of acts with the 10 and one. Uh, and I think you, you mentioned this yes. earlier, yeah. you had the born freak, the made freak and the working act. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I want to talk about with the made freaks, uh, the first one that I want to discuss is uh, the tattooed man, okay, or the illustrated man. Mm-hmm. So the first illustrated man that I could find was a gentleman by the name of James F. O'Connell in 1842. Mm. P. T. Barnum was actually exhibiting him in one of his dime museums. So he was actually the very first uh, tattooed man to be exhibited. So uh, I mean, of course, there's there's plenty. That are still exhibited today and, oh, yeah, yeah. and throughout history. Um, uh, you know, who do we have? Katzen. Uh, Katzen, Enigma. Enigma. Uh, you have uh, Eric Sprague, the Lizard Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Gaughan, the the Checkered Man. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there there's just there. I mean, in yeah. other countries, they're all over the place. Throughout history, you had you know, uh, uh, Yakuza, the, the Maori. You know, Mayans, people have been doing tattoos for as long as they could figure out they could stick needles in their skin. Absolutely. And, yeah. they're, and they're not just tattooed men that are exhibited typically. There's tattooed mm-hmm. women, mm-hmm. a lot of tattooed women. Um, so one of the things that is, is kind of cool about the, 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 the tattooed people is not only were they uh, exhibited, but they were also, a lot of the time, on the lot, they were also the, the, the tattoo artist. So... <laughs> So you make a a few bucks off of being exhibited, and then turn around and basically sell your skills putting the same or different artwork on someone else. Absolutely. After the show was over, they would they would go and they would tattoo people for extra money, and that was that was a way that they could uh, they could make extra money. Nice. One of the funny things that I found as well was was they would have stories. I mean, that's that's a thing that you're going to find, a thread that you're going to find through this entire podcast and through all of Sideshow, that 
you know, these fantastical stories that would come up with that were very much stretching the truth. Mm -hmm. And um, they, uh, uh, the tattooed man or the tattooed women, there was Mm -hmm. a lot of tattooed women as well. Um, It's even more of a shocker to people back in the oldie days. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, they would, they would come up with these uh, tales and stories that, that, uh, they were kidnapped by a Maori tribe and they were forced to be tattooed and and the the last woman that tattooed him he would he would have to marry so he would just continue to get tattooed and then he wound up f- fleeing and then eventually uh, came to this sideshow uh, after fleeing right, you know the tribe sanctuary. so he didn't have to marry one of them right, one right. of these savage tattooed people right. and he himself now was a tattooed person and ostracized right. so this is the only way that he can make money uh, besides tattooing people later on yeah so the stories were very very elaborate and ridiculous at times just to to the shock value Absolutely, absolutely. But it it was great. But it was. It still is. It still is great. It's one of my favorite things. And that's you'll see even see at tattoo conventions. You'll see lots. They'll hire one of the one of the uh, the the checker guy or the blue guy or the green guy to come out to the tattoo conventions and entertain people. Right. Right. So um, I guess the the next uh, that I wanted to talk about was the living skeletons. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the first, um, the first, uh, the the original living skeleton that I found, his name was uh, Isaac W. Sprague. So these these aren't like anorexics. Well, here's the thing: is that there's a, pardon the pun, a thin line <laughs> <laughs> between what what is known and what isn't because right. some people say that he had a disorder and he had a had a big appetite but this guy lived he was born in uh 1865 oh i'm sorry in 1865 he was spotted and was offered a job uh by the head of a local carnival and mm-hmm. under under a year he was eventually picked up by pt barnum the great pt barnum and um to work uh in his dime museum uh, mm-hmm. in new york so, you know, the thing is that people say that he had a, 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 actually a, a, a great appetite and he would, he would actually keep like a, a sweetened condensed milk in like a flask hmm. to try and keep his sugar up because I guess his metabolism was so high. Right. But, you know, I'm sure that there was plenty of living skeletons that were just anorexics. Yeah. This is before, uh, you know, Vogue. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, all the, the wafy girls and... You know the the super slender guys like that was their that was their gig. They were a the living skeleton meal ticket, as it were. So one of one of the best things that I found out about the 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 living skeleton was that typically you would have you would have the living skeleton and they would of course invite all the media for the marriage between the living skeleton and the world's uh, and, and the world's largest person, person the fat man or the fat woman right right so and i guess that brings us to uh the fat man or, mm-hmm. or the fat woman yeah the fat folk if you will right um, the morbidly obese yeah yes. absolutely and now they the uh the fat people uh i mean you know they could have a thyroid problem yeah but back then did they uh, have thyroids back then i think so yeah, yeah. i think we all do uh but the thing is, is that now you know there are plenty of morbidly obese people. Yeah, so it's, it's like not trying to spot the thin person in the crowd. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, but it's so it's not really it's not really um, odd or strange nowadays. But yeah. back then, having someone 
who was 600 pounds was yeah. definitely an oddity yes. and an oddity to come and see. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I don't know who the first fat person was, but I, I, <laughs> <laughs> but I can tell you. I can tell you who the last fat man was. <laughs> the last, very last oh, fat man. The last fat man that was at a, at a side show. Yes. That, okay, per, that, perform, that perf- was actually that was performed as a performer. and billed and performed okay. as okay. a fat man. And that, you can't his, say the last fat man no, because there's no, like no, no. one down the street. Yeah. You know, we're going to see a couple <laughs> tomorrow. But his, his name was Bruce Snowden. Okay. Um, Bruce Snowden weighed in at about... 607 pounds. Um, he was uh, he worked for uh, uh, Ward Hall at the uh, World of Wonders sideshow. Okay. Uh, now he was uh, he, he he I I read some interviews about him and he said that he took a look uh, at some pictures of fat men that he found in a book and he said, "Well, hell, I'm bigger than them. This is ridiculous." <laughs> so and he he had like three like uh, three separate. Um, uh, he actually had three separate degrees. Wow. I mean, he wasn't like... So he wasn't big, fat, dummy. He no, big, no, he was guy. a smart guy. He big, just, fat, smart guy. Yeah, so he, he basically, he said, you know, I can make money by doing this, by hmm. just exhibiting myself and living my life. Yeah. And that's what he did. He, he eventually, he, he actually was, uh, he played himself in the movie Big Fish. Oh, the, yeah, 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 he was actually, so, he, it, was, it was his name that he Tim was... Tim Burton a, film. So, and... Um, so eventually, he, he did pass in uh, November 2009. So, but one of the things that, that I love is, is that pitch this. And, and it kind of goes a little something like this. He's so big and so fat, it takes a box to car to lug him and four girls to hug him. Nice. That's that, yeah, that's my favorite. It, it's just one of, <laughs> it just always rings through my head. And that was one of the, the ballys that they would have for, for the fat man. Nice, nice. And there's there's so many the list of of made freaks is enormous. Yeah, yeah. Is there's, enormous. there's you, you know everything from tattoos to to weight problems to just retired old sailors painting themselves black and teasing their hair up and calling themselves <laughs> savage Zulus from other countries. The geek. Yes, the geek. Yes. Yeah. So the geek act. The list is. Endless. So when we're, uh, we'll, we'll post some stuff, um, you know, just various sites. You can go and actually delve into the world of, of made freaks and, and uh, it is extensive. So I guess that brings us to uh, our, our, next, uh, our next type of act, which would be the born freak. Mm-hmm. So the born freak are people that are actually born with abnormalities, uh, with problems, Genetic, uh, genetic disorders. Right, right. Uh, I mean, you know, and I just have a very short list of 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 sideshow performers who were actually born freaks. And one thing about the born freak, unlike the made freak or the working act, these these kind of people were like known as the king of the sideshow because they were they lived it in and out. I mean, they they were they were born this way. Right, you know, right. There's, there was no way to alter your there, there physical was, yeah, no, appearance. No, that, that's how that's who they were. No amount of juggling of chainsaws <laughs> to top, you know, uh, a two-headed girl. Absolutely, you know, absolutely, no way. So uh, you know, and a lot of the time, the 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 
Born Freak wound up actually making so much money that they used to have their own show. A lot of the time, they actually had their, they were the owners of the shows. Wow. A lot of the time, and still exhibited. Right. So, right. I mean, you know, but, you know, you have anything from little people uh, to the tall man, but here's here's a little list of what I have. Okay. Um, the first, uh, the first Born Freak I wanted to talk about was Schlitzy the Pinhead. Okay. Um, Schlitzy came a little bit after Zip the Pinhead. Uh, Zip, of course, um, eventually there was a cartoon, uh, uh, Zippy, Zippy the Pinhead, mm-hmm. was made after him. But Schlitzy came a little bit after him. But Schlitzy was born in 1901. Uh, and, uh, oh, jeez, um, I can't even, I don't know if I can pronounce this word. It was uh, microcephalus. Microcephalus. Microcephalus, yes. that's it. Uh, and it's basically, you know, someone who has a smaller than normal cranium and it's typically pointed. Right. But I mean, it, it's basically like a general term for anyone who has like a disformed, uh, disformed cranium. Yeah. Right. So um, they were typically billed as uh, such thing as like the last of the Aztecs or the last of some uh, distant tribe that, mm. you know, was a branch off of, uh, off of Homo sapiens or right. sometimes even build as like from other planets. Yeah. Yeah. I've so, seen that. yeah. So one of the cool things about Schlitzy, she was, at, uh, I'm sorry, he was actually, there's some confusion there and I'll, I'll get to that in a minute, <laughs> but, uh, he was actually, uh, famous for being in Todd Browning's Freaks. So he is mm-hmm. the pinhead that is that is in Todd Browning's Freaks. Which is an amazing, amazing movie. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and he toured, like, basically all, all the with all the major circuses at some point. Mm-hmm. But the reason why he was billed as a female most of the time was because he wore uh, like a like dress well yeah a moon a dresses basically and the the only reason why he really wore those was because he really only had the intellect of a four-year-old right because of his 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 disorder he was incontinent and that was why he wore those those dresses but apparently like Everyone who handled him and took care of him said that he was always filled with wonder at every single thing mm. and was loved, right. was loved by everyone. So uh, the, and uh, uh, let's see, I'm sorry, I apologize, I missed my place there. So um, eventually uh, spent, uh, th- you know, after touring and everything, um, eventually wound up sometime during the 60s uh, being institutionalized. He His guardian was actually... Um, the chimp handler for one of the shows Mm -hmm. and when he passed away sometime during the 60s his daughter uh, didn't know what to do with Schlitzy and just you know institutionalized right right, right. Um, so uh, you know eventually uh, Schlitzy passed uh, in 1971 at the age of uh, 71 years old and I I know that there was something going on out in LA where they were actually giving Schlitzy a, a, a better headstone Okay. Uh, because I think he was in a, a completely unmarked grave. Oh. So I did read something about that. and um, Part of the home that he was in? They just had like a, a lot? Yeah. And eventually, I think they just, uh, some people put some money together to decide to give him, give him a, 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 proper... a decent headstone. Nice, nice. So, I mean, because he was uh, a performer for, for, for a very, very long time. Yeah. Really never went into retirement until the 60s. Yeah, yeah. So, but... um. I guess the next performer is near and dear to my heart because he is from Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And I that's, know who this is. Yeah, that's Johnny Eckert, uh, or as his stage name was, Johnny Eck. Johnny Eck. Um, Johnny Eck was born in 1911, 
and he was born with no lower half. He was a half man. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had nothing basically below the ribs. Right. Uh, he was uh, basically only 18 inches tall. <laughs> Johnny Eck was not just a sideshow performer. He was an artist, a photographer, a magician. He was a race car driver, a swimmer, wait, an wait, actor. Wait, 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 wait. Race car driver? Yeah, he drove race cars, yeah. And uh, he he was also a train conductor at one point. Wow. Yeah, so he, he was actually, he was uh, billed as the king of freaks. Um, nice. He was, him and his brother, Robert, it, they were twin brothers. So did, did, did Robert just have the lower half and no upper half? <laughs> no, he was completely <laughs> fully formed. But I have I have something funny about that. They would do this thing. They would actually. Do you know the 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 magicians, uh, the magicians illusion that woman sold in half? Yes. Well, yes, they yeah, they would that. do that, but yeah. they had a twist on it. So basically, the magician would uh, would come out and and he would be performing, and this guy was heckling from the audience. Mm-hmm. Well, this was actually Robert Eckert. Mm-hmm. So Robert Eckert would heckle him, and they would put Robert in the box, and they would go and saw it, yep. and then when they opened it up the bottom half would just lift up and start running away. Well, the bottom half was actually a dwarf with a, with a pair of like pants that were made right. up to look like it was just legs. Uh-huh. And then Johnny Eck would get up and go, hey, hey, legs, come on back here, and start running after him on with his, his hands. hands. <laughs> and, I mean, literally, you had people fainting in the audience. Yeah, you had so people disturbing. running. Yeah. <laughs> But that is like one of the greatest stories that I have ever heard from Sideshow. Wow. So uh, Johnny Eck was very, very famous for his one-armed handstand, mm-hmm. where he would—I mean, it, if you've never seen it, you just have to look it up. Yeah. You have to, you have to, you have to internet this. Yeah, you have to amazing. Google it. it. It is really cool. But he was—he uh, was also uh, in the movie Freaks. Yes, he was. Yep. And famous for that. And he eventually passed in 1991 at the age of uh, age of 79. Wow. Now, just recently, uh, Joe and I went to the Baltimore. Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum, and they had a very good section just specifically yeah, for nice Johnny Eck, and I very, very much like the exhibit. So I guess that brings us on to um, the working acts. So the working acts are, well, actually, mostly today, they are when you see a sideshow, whether you go out and you see a real sideshow that is touring, or you go and see... Uh, someone that's performing at a dime museum, or if you go and see a nightclub act that mm-hmm. that says that they have sideshow, typically the working act is what you see. Now right. there are a few people. I know the nine hundred ninety nine eyes actually have real freaks, mm-hmm. and um, there are a few real freaks that still perform today, yeah. Yeah. even though <clears throat> some people don't like don't like to be don't like the idea of people being called freaks uh, right. and, and the whole uh, PC issue. But, <laughs> but um, there are still some people that work as 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 born freaks, yeah. and plenty of as as made freaks like we talked about. Yeah. But definitely in, in other <coughs> countries, they're I wouldn't say more popular, but they're more more accepted, accepted because yeah. other countries tend not to be as anal retentive and PC as America. Yeah, yeah. So you know, well, so. Uh, well, uh, with great freedom comes great prices, I guess. Yeah, with great so, power comes great responsibility. <laughs> so my act, the Scarred and Dangerous Thrill Show, I'm only one half of. 
The other half is Dangerous D. He's currently living in California, and he's going to call in from time to time to give you his two cents about all of our topics here on The Curioso. Now, all dangers considered, a moment with Dangerous D. In this story, I need to explain. This is the one question I get asked most frequently. How did you get started in the world of Sideshow? Well, it actually started for me about five years ago. I used to work uh, in a retail store with a good buddy of mine, Chris Garbro. And um, he was always in the magic and sideshow and things like that. And we'd uh, it'd be late at night, and we'd be working on facing a fun product to close down the, the, the store. And uh, he'd roll up on me and be like, hey, have me on the shoulder. Check this out. Bang, bang down to his face. And he'd go, help, hey, check this out. Run a skewer through his arm. I mean, dude's crazy. We'd go sit in the back for lunch break. I'd sit down. I mean, we were only making like a bag of peanuts a week. I'd sit down. I'd, I'd eat like my mom would make me like a stuffed pepper sandwich, you know, type deal. A big, greasy monstrosity. He'd sit down, open up his lunchbox, and pull out a light bulb. Dude was always conditioning, always practicing. It's crazy. So I was intrigued, like a, a fan first, you know what I mean, performer second. So really got into it. I was like, dude, you need to. I was playing music and stuff, so I was performing in clubs. And I was like, man, you need to put something together, put a show together, and get out to these clubs and perform with me. So he was like, well, come over one day, we'll drink a few beers, and we'll, we'll figure it out. So I went over there, and the long and the short, when I showed up, he basically looked at me and said, um, you know, have you ever tried anything? Have you ever performed like this before or done anything? No, nah, no, nah, you know, I could, I could be a hype man, though. I could scream and yell like crazy. He's like, well, why don't you do me a favor? He's like, why don't you see if you could slide through this? And he hands me a toilet seat. Seriously, right, toilet seat. I was like, why that? So I start trying to slide through this thing and, you know, wiggle my way through. I get stuck. You got to break out the saws off, chill me out. Week later, hands me a wire coat hanger. Said, "Hey, see if you can slide through this." I'm like, "What?" The? So I start. I get stuck. He has to clip me out of it. One week later, I show up and he hands me a tennis racket with the guts cut out and he says, "Slide through this, or I will make you slide through this." So by hook and by crook, I actually got through the tennis racket, and then the sideshow was born. That's when uh, the actual the Scarborough sideshow had begun, and then. Uh, Later on, it had changed the name. We changed the name to the Scarred and Dangerous Thrill Show. And uh, actually, you can check out some of our, our videos of all the crazy shit that we do on our YouTube. It's youtube.com backslash ddmalfi. We have a web series up called Living Dangerously. It shows you how the two of us get crazy. And um, remember, we will do bar mitzvahs. We will do little kids 16, sweet 16 birthday parties, all eight shows, G shows, X-rated. We'll do whatever. It doesn't matter. But uh, either way, the wonderful world of Sideshow. With it, for it, and never against it. Thanks, guys. So I guess the working act is, is, is the next thing I wanted to talk about. And the first, uh, I guess really the first one uh, I wanted to talk about was uh, how about fire eating? Okay. So... Ever since Prometheus came down from the heavens, wait, 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 wait. to find the aliens? No, no, okay. you're talking. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> Prometheus. Okay, so Prometheus came down from the heavens and and handed us fire. People have yes. enjoyed l- watching and uh, and enjoying the heat of fire. Right. So uh, fire eating. I mean, it, it's it's a it's. Ancient, uh, yeah, it ancient. It's ancient. Egyptians did it. Um, royalty had, you know, court people that did it. Um, 
uh, even it's ancient even Greece. Been, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's even been done as you know religious, you know, attainment or atonement or just in you know celebrations for religious reasons mm -hmm. um, through multiple multiple cultures. So it has been around for a very very long time. Well, I mean, it's one of the most um, primal fears that we have. I mean, being yeah, burnt. Yeah. I mean, and you know, ever to... since you're a child, you know, touching the stove and feeling the heat on it and burning yourself. I mean, that's it's a primal fear of right. fire. Right. So to take that fire and put it in your face, yeah, is and down your pie hole is yeah is 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 very very scary. Trust me, yeah. I very much remember my first time eating me fire. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so. You know, and then, uh, so there's, I mean, there's basically, you know, there's there's fire eating, and then there's people that do, you know, fire hooping and fire poi. And fire uh, breathing. And fire breathing. Now, the, there, I think that there is a difference between fire eating and fire breathing. Yes, but of it, course. But it's really like fire breathing is, is very, very cool. But mm -hmm. it's blowing a fireball is very, very cool to see. Right. But you can't just like have an act just on blowing fireballs. Right. You, right. you, so what you do is you do fire eating, which is basically uh, lots of different, um, I hate to say tricks. I always hate to say tricks when yeah. I talk about Sideshow, but basically fire eating tricks is, is what they call it. So, you right. know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a procedure, it's a routine, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's to jump one flame to another, you know. Uh, Touching your tongue and lighting the other torch. Right. There's all kinds of different ways that you can play with fire and make it look very, very cool. Mm -hmm. So definitely. I guess um, uh, the next thing that I wanted to talk about is definitely, most definitely a, a sideshow staple, and that would be sword swallowing. Yes, yes. So sword swallowing, uh, I, I mean, it's a fourth, at least a 4,000-year-old art. Mm-hmm. The oldest accounts that they found is basically in India. It was these ancient fakirs, these holy men, these shaman that mm -hmm. would that would uh, swallow swords. You actually take the sword, throw your head back, and drop it into the pit of your stomach, mm -hmm. all the way down past your esophagus, no past trick. your heart, past your lungs. A lot of people do think it's a trick, oh, yeah, though. Yeah. And, I mean, and, and there probably were several con men who. Came up with retractable. What they, they you can buy them on the internet. Yeah, they still yeah. exist today, just like the retractable knives at the at the dime store that yeah, you. Yeah, the old El Viber yeah, knife. Yeah, 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 that you could pretend to stab somebody with. They make swords like that, but but a real a real sword swallower is something to behold. I mean, there, there's less than a few dozen sword swallowers that that are still performing today. Right. Some right. people have actually quit from uh, mm -hmm. from injuries. Um, and it's it's a it's a scary thing that you're talking. If you have a sword that is an inch longer than it should be, oh, you can definitely yeah, pierce your stomach. Perforations and absolutely, yeah, so many so many horrible things that can happen. So just recently, um, I actually had the honor of performing at Ripley's Believe It or Not at World Sword Swallowing Day, mm -hmm. and I think I was the newest. The, the one in Baltimore. There, I mean, the World Sword Swallowing Day, it actually happens every year uh, the last uh, Saturday in February. Right. So um, I had the, the honor of, of uh, performing at the Ripley's or Not in Baltimore, my mm -hmm. hometown. And uh, Joe, you were there. Yeah. yeah. So it was, uh, um, it was, it was a spectacle. Cool spectacle. It was pretty cool. Yeah. So there was five of us, and I think between the five of us there 
we swallowed 17, 18 swords, something like that. Yep. And all around the world, in different Ripley's Believe It or Nots, people were doing the same thing. Yes. So um, I think that I was the newest sword swallower. I, I had only learned at that time how to drop a blade two months before that. Yeah, and it, so, that's, that's been years. In the years making. in the making. Yeah, at least five, five to six years that I've been training myself how to swallow swords, mm -hmm. and I finally was able to do it. I was, I was very honored and very proud to be there. But yeah. the, one of the reasons why Ripley Ripley's hosts this event was because the first auditorium uh, actually was in Chica at the Chicago's World Fair in 1933. They actually had three sword swallowers there. Mm -hmm. um, two of them were actually women. Right. Which is actually kind of switched now because there's actually more male sword swallowers than there are women sword swallowers. Mm -hmm. But... Um, <clears throat> Excuse me, but uh, yeah, sword swallowing is definitely an, an amazing art mm -hmm. and um, something that I struggled very hard to try and do myself. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I, I I love it. It's I just I I I can't believe that that this is possible. Um, and, you're, you're, you're sticking a chunk of metal. Well, let me tell you, when you <laughs> have it down your throat, yeah, it's uh, as 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 uh, I guess. I consider him my mentor. As, as my mentor, Todd Robbins, told me once as I was trying to learn sword swallowing, I said, Todd, how does it feel when you mm -hmm. actually get it down? And he said, it feels like you're being stabbed, but there's <laughs> less pain. <laughs> so it's a not so painful Not so stabbing. pleasurable. Not so pleasurable. It's an uncomfortable stabbing. Absolutely. So right. I guess that brings us to our, our, our next, our next uh, working act subject. And we're only going to do maybe three or a few of these. We're not going to do all of them because... There is an extensive list there's again. There's so many. I mean, glass walking, uh, uh, fire walking... The human pincushion. There's so many, but th these are like these are the, the I guess to me like the big ones. Yeah, you well, know. I mean, even you know, uh, knife throwers or you know, uh, chainsaw throw the whip girls. So many, so many, so, so, so many. All the pretty acts. The yeah, uh, yeah. The, the the stuff that uh, the, the, all 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 of the 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 cowboy acts that you have. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, there's there's I mean, just so many. The 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 the, the hooch. Hooch girls and the hoochie cooch. The hoochie cooch. I mean, there's so many things, and we're we're just gonna have. I mean, this is this is such a big subject mm -hmm. that we are definitely gonna have to go through this piece by piece, episode through episode, and and do all of these. And we yes. might even hit yes. some of the things that we've already discussed and talked about again, right? But in, in a full fledged episode. But the, this next one is called the human blockhead. Mm -hmm. um, the human blockhead is actually when you take and you pound a nail or a spike. Or an ice pick up your nose. Or I've seen a drill bit. A drill bit, yeah. Uh, yeah. I've seen so many implements. Uh, yeah. I call that the uh, the human uh, screw head. Mm -hmm. Or as I accidentally put the two words together, the human screeweed. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I did that on a set list one time. And I said, the screeweed? I was like, I don't even know what that is. And I wrote this. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. But um, so... The, the person who really actually it gets credited for the human blockhead is a, a, a guy named Melvin Burkhart. Okay. Uh, Melvin was uh, performed the human blockhead. Well, Melvin was born in 1907. Mm. Performed uh, for most of the major uh, 
major circus acts of the time. Right. He he performed in all of the sideshows, and he used to do. Uh, he was an anatomical wonder. He he could actually suck his body up, so you could actually see his spine through his stomach. Wow. He would do amazing acts, and um, he uh, he would. One of the cool things that he would do was the human blockhead, and he was actually an amateur boxer. Okay. Okay. I, I think his record. I, wait, wait. I saw somewhere his record was zero and six. So, so did, he didn't win very many fights. He, he didn't box with a nail in his nose. No, he? no. But because he boxed and he had so much cartilage broken, uh, he actually could use a much larger nail than most people did. And I've I seen bet. this nail. Todd Robbins actually showed me his nail. It wasn't no ten penny. No, it looks like a railroad spike. It's <laughs> oh huge. God. But he. But it was so funny because not only would he do, you know, the entire large nail, uh-huh. he would actually use this little teeny tiny tack hammer to hammer <laughs> it in. So, um, so it was pretty great. But the the reason why it's called the human blockhead is actually because Robert Ripley saw him perform the act. He actually was was performing the act for Robert Ripley, mm-hmm. and he said, "Melvin, you are a true blockhead." Just as and, in your dummy? Yeah, he was just, I think he was ribbing him. Right, he was right. ribbing him. But that is the reason why he called the act the human blockhead. And he would just give the act away. He would tell people how to do it. He was just, he was an amazing performer and a great guy. And he would let people perform his act. And I mean, and that's why we call the human blockhead today. And I'm so glad mm-hmm. that I was able to talk about Melvin because uh, he is, he just, he is definitely a thread that runs through Sideshow. He was, he was an amazing performer. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know. I, I guess uh, the only other thing that I wanted to discuss that I think we can probably fit in, in this episode is my heroes. Okay. So, I, I guess really the first one of my heroes would be, uh, would be Jim Rose. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember um, when, I was, when I was little being exposed to the movie Freaks. Yeah. Um, and then several, several carnivals and circuses. And then, you know, early, mid-90s, there was this sort of menagerie of sideshow and music that I knew, you know, that was on one stage, and it was the Jim Rose. Yeah, I I think it was Lollapalooza. I don't remember what year, but I mean, I definitely saw it was sometime during the 90s, and I saw Jim Rose perform, and I said... I said, somebody can make a living doing this? Yeah, yeah. And it, it and was nowadays, it was amazing. Absolutely. Nowadays, like that was that was the mind blower. Yeah. Is that yeah, this has been done throughout history mm-hmm. since sixteenth, you know, fifteenth century. Yeah. And in modern times when we've got interwebs and the YouTube and, you know, a billion T V channels and people are constantly, you know, instant gratification. You can still make a living just being an extraordinarily strange person, you know, Absolutely. and having you know phenomenal, you know, abilities and you know quirks and. What I think is really cool, he actually was able to, to bring, sideshow back to life to breathe life into it. Yeah, you yes. know. I mean, he was it was he was. Lucky. I mean, it might be a zombie now, but I mean, well, he brought it back to life. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, he was he was lucky because during that time, you know, especially our generation and generation before us, um, a lot of it had to do with the, the films that were coming out, the music that was coming out. You mm-hmm. know, um, it played very very well with American culture at the time. 
Absolutely. You know, at least in, in the subcultures and the broader you know, areas that we were living in. Um, so it did very, very well uh, in that market. And even, you know, even now, you know, he kind of opened the door to you know, smaller venues and then people, you know, this to, whole to, resurgence to, of... A resurgence to know that this can be a viable entertainment option. Right, right. So, so I guess... From Jim Rose being, you know, the wild, crazy antics that he is, swinging back in the other direction, one of my other heroes, of course, is Todd Robbins. Mm -hmm. Now, Todd Robbins, uh, he, I mean, he, he just recently had a, uh, an off-Broadway play called Play Dead, and I, I could not make it out, but mm. I heard that they, they actually were able to tape it and uh, it was at some film festival, and I'm hoping that they're nice. going to actually take it and put it on DVD because oh, yeah, I would no, love no, to no, see it. So Todd Robbins uh, does, uh, you know, of course, the Human Blockhead. He, I mean, he he does uh, so many different things, but he's really known for his glass eating, right? Light bulb eating, and it's amazing. He's done several commercials and and, and you know for different antacid tablets and things like that. You know, <laughs> right, right. But I mean, I, I actually learned a lot of what I know from Todd Robbins. I went to uh, Sideshow by the Seashore, and he was actually teaching a class, and I stayed up in New York in a terrible hostel for a whole <laughs> week, and I took the train uh, from, uh, from like, the Upper West Side to Coney Island every single day. You know, I... The day you told everybody that you were doing it, it reminded me of that scene in The Simpsons where Homer says, they're all at the dinner table, everybody's eating, and Homer's playing with mashed potatoes, making a circus tent, <laughs> and he says, that's it, I'm going to clown college. <laughs> that's, and everybody that's pretty was much like, what? Happened. what? Well, I think, I, I mean, I used to busk, I did all kinds of, I, yeah, did, but you I did juggling and things like that, but I, I said, I'm tapped out. Yeah, I can't yeah. learn sword swallowing and fire eating by myself. Right. I knew the human blockhead, but mm -hmm. I didn't want to learn that stuff by myself. Yeah. I didn't want to look on the internet and, and, and wind up a casualty of it. Yeah. That's yeah. ridiculous. So I went and I learned from a master. Yes, you did. So I went up there and I, I learned from him. And uh, I, I mean, I wound up meeting a lot of really cool performers. Mm-hmm. And eventually came back, put my act together, yeah. and uh, you know, and 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 went on to 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 what I did. But, but, uh, I, yeah, I, I I really I think Todd is a great performer. But you know, as compared to like Jim Rose, Todd is a much more controlled performer. Right. He's um, uh, he plays it down, but 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 plays it wonderfully. And right, right. if you ever get a chance to see one of his shows, you really should. You definitely should go do it. Right. And that's, I mean, I think that's the, the wonderful thing about, you know, sideshows is that you can see the most extreme sideshows me blown away. Mm -hmm. And then you can see the most precise, honed, and, you know, every care is taken to make sure you understand what's going on. And Absolutely. And, and that's what I'm talking about. Like, as where Jim Rose is a shocking. You know, yeah, lifto, it, lifto, lifto, lifto. And it's you still have, amazing. You have, <clears throat> you have Todd Robbins who who plays up on the humor and the comedy of it and right. really makes you laugh. Right. It's it's that borderline. Two totally different. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Two totally different people. But um, I guess that brings us to our the the third person who is definitely one of my heroes, and that would be James Taylor. Mm -hmm. James Taylor. Not not the the singer. Not the singer. No, the no. Singer. James Taylor is actually he actually lives here right here in Baltimore as well. And James Taylor, um, 
uh, is actually the editor of Shocked and Amazed magazine. It's the only mm. periodical about Sideshow. And I mean, it's it's amazing. If, I, I, if you ever get a chance to pick one of them up, you should definitely do it. I think I have all of them besides number one and number three. And those are going to be very, very hard to get because I think that from like five on down, they wound up like burning in a fire. So, I mean, yeah, so they're wow. very, very hard to get a hold so of, especially them, number one. Do you have them in plastic with, with backing? Yeah, everything? I do. NRFD. I do. And I, I, I flip through <laughs> them with my, with my white with my white gloves yeah absolutely <laughs> you know i wanted to also mention james taylor was also the curator of of the american dime museum that was uh was in baltimore mm -hmm. uh right there on maryland street and uh, i used to go there all the time and and i, I love the place but eventually it just wound up you know having to close down uh be, i mean it's not a traveling museum it was a stationary museum right, so yeah right. you, you only have a certain amount of draw so eventually he wound up moving some of his collection to uh the uh the palace of wonders over in dc which was yeah. a venue that specifically catered to sideshow and burlesque yeah yeah so which was an amazing venue but that eventually closed down yeah. and it merged with the place next door and became the red palace which yes. it merged with the red and the black mm -hmm. and um which uh, when the red and the, the the red palace closed down just a little while ago, this is terrible. I actually had the very pleasure of performing on the last week that they were open. Yep, and and that that was wonderful. Did a, a great show with a, a, a whole bunch of burlesque acts. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I don't even know uh, where to go from here. That was pretty much uh, almost everything that I I I I, I have prepared my brain to discuss <laughs> tonight i mean there's so 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 much more yeah. but um some of the things that i wanted to mention uh just uh, you know also um some of the websites that we were talking about uh -huh. you should definitely go to sideshowworld.com that is an awesome awesome site with with so much more stuff than your brain can even handle uh, another website that i found thehumanmarvels.com was amazing and check out a podcast called Ballycast, if you get a chance. Ballycast is an amazing podcast put on by Wayne Kaiser. And uh, if you get a chance, make sure you download episode 28 because that was an episode that I was on when I was in the Scarborough Sideshow. And you should definitely check that out. Nice, nice. All right, uh, until next time, thank you for listening to Curiosa Podcast. And uh, we'll see you later. See you next time. Sound like the wonder years. <laughs> well, that's that's the point. I know, I know. That's what I'm trying to do. You know what I mean? I'm trying to give you a little wonder year years. <laughs> oh, little wonder years. That's exactly my that's exactly my point. I'm trying